Good morning. All right, well, we've been in Proverbs and we're going to stay in Proverbs today. Except that most of the passages that I called out, if you you look at your uh, sheet, the handout, you'll notice most of them actually aren't in in Proverbs. But our focal passage is from Proverbs. Um, We've heard a lot in our series about wisdom. We've heard a lot about the fear of God that leads to that wisdom. We've heard about guarding our hearts, controlling our tongues. We've heard about God's wisdom for friendships and other kinds of relationships. We've heard about the importance of managing anger. Today I want to look at just one specific aspect of wisdom. Um, And I say it's an aspect, I don't even think I can quite completely separate it out. But I want to talk today about discernment. Uh, because it's so tied in with wisdom. I have two focal passages today. One is from Proverbs, and one is from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Both are, uh, well, both are just the beginning because there's several other passages we're going to hit. But let's pray before we get started. Father, we come to you this morning and we we pray for the sharing of your word. And we pray that as, as we look into your word, as we seek to understand, Father, you'll give us that understanding and that you'll, you'll change us. Father, allow us to act upon your word. Allow us to be changed and transformed by your word. We ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. First one, Proverbs 28.2, hear the word of the Lord. When a land is in rebellion, it has many rulers. But with a discerning and knowledgeable person, it endures. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. This is from the very beginning of the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, and he is uh, kind of setting the tone for his letter here. And he starts off with this gushing love for them, but he continues and says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. So let me start just by trying, attempting to anyway, define discernment, this word discernment, and give a, give a few examples to think about. Uh, I recently listened, I listened to audiobooks a lot in my car on my way to work and back, and I recently listened to this book from Hannah Anderson. It's called All That's Good, Recovering the Lost Art of Discernment. And, and she said that discernment comes from being changed by wisdom and becoming people who know the difference between what's bad and what's good and what's good and what's better. So that was, that was Hannah Anderson's take. In summary, I mean, the whole book was about discernment, so that's just a little tip of it. The Hebrew word that we, that we find in the Old Testament that we translate into discernment is actually a multi-use word. It also is translated in various places to wisdom or understanding. So the difference is actually pretty subtle. Um, the word contains the sense of the space between, as if you're looking at two things and it's, it's hard to distinguish them apart. So you're looking for the space between them so you can tell them apart. And, and so this idea of a space between or discernment, it kind of has this this sense of dividing or, or figuring out where the difference is, right? And so the, I would express the differences in these three words, understanding, wisdom, and discernment, as understanding is, is a comprehension. It's seeing, it's mentally grasping an idea or a situation clearly. That's understanding. 
Of course, none of these, none of these uh, definitions are pure and perfect, but, but work with me here. So wisdom then, if understanding is just a comprehension and a clear seeing, wisdom is a combination of knowledge and understanding of God's way and God's truth. So it's, it's understanding our position before God and how God views a situation. That's, kind of, that's where wisdom comes in. And then discernment then is the ability to use wisdom and understanding to make distinctions between people, events, actions, words, ideas, media, anything else correctly. Anything else that we might run across, discernment allows us to understand and to decide and to make a, make a distinction. Do we embrace this book or do we denounce it? Or is it better to just ignore it? Do we support this leader or will we vote against them? Will we spend our time and our money to go see this movie or not? And if we do see it, will we recommend it to others? Which others? A movie or book could benefit some with more discernment, but it could actually mislead others, the same, the same movie or book. So we need discernment. We need discernment in every situation in life. It's the practice of using wisdom and understanding to make godly choices. So I, as an outline, just to kind of structure things for the ones who, whose brain works like my brain, I want to talk today about the need for discernment. The need for discernment, the practice of discernment, and then the blessing of discernment. So it's the need, the practice, and the blessing of discernment. That's where we're heading today. And you have your, uh, your verse sheets with you there. So the need for discernment. We live in a fallen world, don't we? When God created the world, He said it was good. Without reservation, it was good. Everything was good. Eden was good. The people in it were good. The animals were good. The whole creation was good. So very little discernment was required in that world. Right? There was one rule. Just don't eat from this one tree. They just needed to know that's the tree we don't eat from and everything else was fine. Very little discernment required to live in that space. But then Satan came. Made things complicated. And it's so interesting what he did. Because he, he came and he said in Genesis 3.5, For God knows that when you eat of it, this tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. What is he offering to Adam and Eve? Discernment? He's, he's telling them, hey, you eat this fruit, now you'll know good and evil. You'll be like God. So... The knowledge of good and evil is what he was trying to convince them that they would desire. This was God's knowledge, and he was offering it to them. And if only they could have it, they'd be like God. And in a way, Satan sort of was telling the truth. After they, after they rebelled, after they ate the fruit, Adam and Eve did come to know evil. In addition to the good they had known before. So, was Satan kind of telling the truth? Yes. They had known good all before. Now they knew evil. Yay. Thanks, Satan. So they, they now knew good and evil, but it was not a blessing. Far from it. In fact, it brought a curse. So because the earth was under the authority of Adam, God placed it under His authority. Then when Adam and Eve fell, creation was cursed along with them, and now the world contained both good and evil. 
Life and death was now in the world. Truth and lies were in the world. Right and wrong had, were now in the world. The, the world now was a big mixed bag of everything. Now they needed discernment. That's the only way they could survive. That's the only way they could live in such a place is to have discernment. And all the people who came after them would need discernment. And you and I today need it more than ever. This deceiver is still deceiving. And he has so many tools. So now, everywhere we look, we see good mixed with the bad. We see some pure things here, and we see something corrupt over there. And we hear mixed words. Some people speak truth, and some people speak lies. But the amazing and and terrible thing is that some people speak both. And as we talked about a few weeks ago, even our own mouths bring forth a mixture of blessing and curses, truth and lies, wisdom and foolishness. And this is just the truth. We know this about ourselves. So if we like a certain leader, we'll find that he isn't perfect. While he has goodness, he makes mistakes, and sometimes he even may say things that aren't true. We may see a pastor, and this has recently happened, who preaches God's truth from Scripture. I'm not going to say his name because that's not important, but... But he's pretty famous and well-known, and I've listened to many of his sermons, and he was a good, good preacher. I wish I could be as good of a preacher as him. But what we found out is that in his dealings with brothers and sisters, he behaved like a monster. He was bullying, threatening, demanding his way, and he even misused the money of his ministry. And now he's humiliated. We see that there are movies that celebrate virtue and faithfulness. Then there are movies that celebrate wanton violence and destruction. They celebrate it. And then there are movies that use graphic violence as a warning against violence and as a plea for kindness and peace. That's, that takes a little more understanding there to, how, to know how to process that, doesn't it? We may see a movie that shows characters behaving with loyalty, perseverance, and genuine love. And yet they do this while denying God's truth in another area. We have to have discernment when we see good mixed with the bad. And in this world, good and bad are just so often mixed together. So whether we follow someone, listen to someone, listen to media, hear the voices that are in our lives, we can't avoid these things. We have to evaluate every single thing that comes in. We have to embrace the truth and reject the false. Now God, in John, in John, uh, the story is told that Jesus went to meet the woman at the well. And, and she was a Samaritan, so she had been raised in this, in this culture that twisted God's truth about worship. And Jesus, when He met her, was kind. Jesus, who had all truth in Him, and pure truth, He met this woman who was filled with, with falseness and misunderstanding and and lies and, and twisted, twisted doctrines. But he was kind to her. He was gentle with her. But what did he say to her? In, in John 4.23, he said, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit. And truth. So Jesus is holding to the truth. Even as he's gentle with this woman, he's holding to the truth that God must be worshiped 
in, in, the, in the truth of who He is. And that's important. It's not just enough to have the right kind of emotion and feel a certain way. No, God has explained and revealed many things about Himself, and He wants to be worshipped for who He is. And Jesus said, it is a must. He doesn't, doesn't say, it, it would be nice if you could learn a few things. He says, we must. The true worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And discernments helps us to see this truth. So we need discernment to embrace the truth about God so that we can worship Him. To navigate our place in this world, we have to have discernment. To even properly worship God requires some level of discernment. So just as a principle, just as common discernment protects our physical lives, the common discernment, spiritual discernment, protects our spiritual lives. As common discernment protects our physical lives, spiritual discernment protects our spiritual lives. We once had a dog uh, in our family, and his name was Winston. Winston, just like the prime minister. Uh, We took him in as a stray puppy, and he was full of energy and full of personality, and we we just loved him. We were crazy about him, and he was crazy. Um, But as fun and as cute as he was... Winston really was not blessed with great discernment. Um, one crazy Christmas day, <laughs> maybe I wasn't blessed with concern with uh, much discernment. As you as you hear me tell where I was on Christmas, um, Connie was pregnant with our first child, and I was at work that day. Yeah, because I had a project, and we only had four days to get about ten days worth of work done. So I had to literally go to work on Christmas. So I was at work on Christmas and Connie called me and said, you'll never guess, Winston ate a razor blade. He found, he found a safety razor for shaving in the bathroom and he chewed it up and ate it. I'm not even kidding. I'm not exaggerating. He swallowed it and ate it. Um, Connie called the vet and was told there was little we could do but wait. So... I'll just summarize to say that it all came out in the end. It was okay. Um, God chose to protect him. Um, We didn't have to take any uh, miraculous intervention, fortunately. So he survived to try mouse poison another day. Um, And he survived that too. (laughs) But, But are we sometimes like wisdom, like Winston? Do we indiscriminately put things in our mouth like he did? Maybe not. Unless you're a toddler, you're probably not putting indiscriminate things in your mouth. But what about your eyes? What about your ears? Do you let things in that you should not let in? Do do we sometimes watch things that do not glorify God or build us up? What do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Are they speaking truth? Are they speaking lies? Are they mixing the two to twist and confuse? What about music? You know, music has a, an amazing property of communicating at an emotional level and bypassing some of your safeguards that you might have. If someone spoke lies to you, you might say, you're speaking lies to me. But if they sing lies to you with a cool, catchy tune, you might take it in. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. And you know, what about preaching? And I'm standing up here preaching. Um... But some subtle lies can come in sermons. And even in, even in the Bible, we're instructed to be careful about that. We want to watch, even we want to listen carefully to what is said, even in a sermon. And I pray that we will always honor God's truth 
And I know, I can promise you that we try. Uh, but, but we're fallible. Every, every person that stands up here is fallible and subject to possible error. And every believer needs to have discernment. So we talked a little bit about the need for discernment, how critical it is to have discernment in our lives. Let's talk a little bit about the practice of discernment. So first, we want to detect what's evil, false, and dangerous. Right? That's kind of the first default meaning of discernment, to detect what's evil. So if discernment requires practice, and I'm saying that it does, how do we practice it? Well, first we seek to understand God's Word. So if discernment is, is putting God's wisdom in action, we've got to have the understanding of God, right? So we understand God's Word so we can compare the things that we see in here with the things that we find in Scripture, of God's truth. And Paul even, when he preached to the Bereans, um, they did exactly that. And I, I love this passage. Acts 17.11, it says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the Word with all eagerness, examining the Scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So these... These people did exactly the right thing as a model of discernment. They didn't reject Paul out of hand because he was preaching something new. Right? They respectfully listened to him to see what it was he was trying to say. But they didn't just blindly take it. They went. They said, well, you know what, Paul, that's great you're saying that. We happen to have a copy of the Scriptures right here. We're going to go check. We're going to check what you say and see if it matches up against the Scripture. And they did it. And they said... You know what? Paul, what you're saying is true. It matches up with Scripture. We can accept it. Not only can we accept it because it's the gospel, we can celebrate it. Right? So many Jews heard Paul's new, Paul's new words and they rejected it because it was new. They just said, well, we've never heard this before. We're not prepared to hear this. We don't want to hear this. We reject it. But these Bereans, they heard Paul's words and then they compared it against the Scripture and they found, you know what? This lines up. I can accept this. So the ones who rejected it thought, they thought they were being safe by rejecting these new words. But in fact, what they were doing was the most dangerous thing because they were rejecting the truth of God because they didn't bother to go check. Right? They were wise and they were discerning. They measured against Scripture, not against emotion, but against truth. So first, we, want to, we can use discernment to protect and guard against the false. But we want to use discernment, too, in a, in a positive sense, to celebrate the good and the true and the wholesome. And, and very, very often, this, can get, uh, this, this sense of discernment can be ignored because we, we want to be careful about what we take in. But the Scripture really emphasizes this. Um, in the letter to the Philippians, I kind of started with that one. At the very beginning of the letter, he says, I want you to pursue what is excellent. I want you to be discerning and pursue what is excellent so you can have the fruit of righteousness. At the very close of the letter, how does he close the letter? In Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So this is a critical point. Paul is saying to focus on what is good. Too often we think about discernment as just avoiding what is bad, and that's important. 
The book, a whole book of Jude is focused on avoiding false teaching. And that's good. We need to have that warning. But how much better, how much, how much more blessing do you get from focusing on what is true and honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise? This too is discernment. To find the good and celebrate it. So Paul's saying two things. Think about good things, then practice good things. So as we, as we practice, we should be growing in discernment. And I don't know if this was Paul or not. Uh, some people think that the, the writer of the letter of the Hebrews was Paul. Might have been. I don't know. But the writer to the Hebrews emphasizes that growth is important. In fact, he scolds the Hebrews for their lack of growth. In Hebrews 5.11, he says, About this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Ouch. That's, those are hard words. You know, from the time that we're small, if any of you have small children or if you, any of you remember being small children, who likes to be called a baby? Nobody. Even people who are babies don't want to be called babies, right? We want to think that we're mature. Of course, even from the time we're young. Now, as we get older, we might not mind being mistaken for younger than we are, but we don't want to be mistaken for being less mature than we are, do we? Always we want to think, I'm mature. I have good understanding, and I'm respectable, and I'm mature. We want to think that. And the writer of the Hebrews is reminding them, you're not where you ought to be. You're not where you ought to be. And I'm not scolding you, but he's scolding them. And we should take that as, oh, let me look into this. So the Scripture here is telling us we should be constantly training ourselves in discernment, searching the Scripture, acting on the truth that we find. So we don't need to rehash solved questions, right? And as we grow, we can help others grow. As it says, by now you should be teachers. So as we grow in discernment, we lovingly bring others along who are not as mature. And we should not be condescending to them when younger Christians know less than we do. Of course, a younger Christian might know less than an older Christian. That's how it ought to be. So we shouldn't abuse them, mock them, condescend to them when that happens to be the case. We bring them along gently, hopefully like we were brought along gently by someone who taught us. But always striving to grow and always encouraging others to grow. We have to be patient and gracious and patient teachers. We should be firm with the truth like Jesus was. Jesus was firm with the woman at the well, but he didn't compromise the truth. We need to be patient as younger, younger believers learn to discern for themselves. So we've talked about the need. Now we talked a little bit about the practice. And the principle about this practice is that when discernment rightly practiced, it leads to action. We discern the good. Why? To run toward it, to embrace it, to celebrate it, to love it, to share it, to practice it. That's why. It's not a passive thing. There's a, there's a website that I've run across several times when I've tried to search different things about doctrine or whatever. 
I'm not going to say who they are, but they kind of position themselves as a lie detector. And they have a, they have a really harsh tone. In fact, they, they have a list of people that they identify as false teachers. And most of them are prominent names. That's, it's more fun to call out somebody who's well-known. It's a long list. And probably some of the people on that list you or I might listen to. Uh, but, but if someone makes a false statement or a, an error in their doctrine publicly, you can count on this website to find it and call them out and put them on the false teacher list. Um, so in their, in their black and white evaluation, very often I have to admit they may be correct. But are they celebrating the good? When they find someone who's trying to share the gospel and makes an error and they just write them off as a false teacher? I don't know. I think that their discernment is one-dimensional. I think they only understand how to find error. I don't think they understand how to celebrate good. I don't think they understand the true grace that Jesus offers. And I don't think that they have the willingness to share and extend that grace to others. They're good at attacking the false. They're not great at embracing the truth. They're harsh and critical. So we don't want our discernment to be one-dimensional. We don't want it to be only attacking falsehood, but we also don't want it to be only embracing sweet and good things because we could, we could lose track of the truth sometimes if we're not careful. We should be growing. So let me ask, are you growing in discernment or are you staying like a baby? Are you celebrating what is pure or just trying to avoid what is bad? Do you search the Scriptures for more truth to worship God? You won't exhaust the Scriptures. You won't exhaust the truth. Keep looking. Keep searching. As you grow in discernment, are you teaching others? Are you sharing what you've learned in a gracious way? So we've seen the need. We've seen a little bit about the practice. I want to talk a little bit about the blessing of discernment. So just as Solomon's Proverbs give tons of practical advice about wisdom and how it can bless our lives with peace, sometimes even prosperity, Paul reminds us that spiritual discernment in Christ transforms us to make us like our Savior. This is back to the Philippians 1.9. He said, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Paul is saying here that discernment leads to knowing and pursuing things that are excellent, which leads to fruit of righteousness. Don't we all want to be ready for the day of Christ with fruits of righteousness? When He returns, He's going to ask, what have you been doing? What do we want to say? Jesus, I have some fruits. I have done some things. In Your name and by Your power, I've done some things. And as we practice discernment, looking into Scripture, we need to be comparing what we see and hear against God's truth and pursuing the good. We should be led to act righteously, to do good. As we look into this Scripture, it should give us the not only the truth, the guidance, but the motivation and the power to act. We want to do good. This will bring blessing. Paul, again, to the Corinthians in chapter 2, he said, the natural person 
does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Honestly, this passage was possibly biting off more than I should have, because this could be a whole sermon unto itself about what this, what this whole thing actually means. But, but one thing that it means is that when we receive the truth of the gospel, it is crazy and foolish to people who do not have the Spirit. And so we should expect that. We, we should expect the natural person to not accept the things of the Spirit of God. That should not surprise us. Because they are spiritually discerned. And we've been given a Spirit if we are believers in Jesus. He's telling them that we have the incredible presence of God dwelling in us in the Holy Spirit. And we're promised that He will guide us, comfort us, and help us to discern truth. The greatest truth of all is the truth of the Gospel. That God would come to earth as a human, and having done that, that He would die as a human to take the punishment for the great crimes of humanity. The world considers this foolishness. But spiritual discernment from God reveals that this is truth, the greatest truth. So the blessing that comes from this discernment is to understand, to appreciate, and to embrace the gospel. And discernment is a blessing to the Christian, and it's a blessing to everyone around the Christian. I could hardly preach an entire sermon without a a quick sports analogy, right? We're talking about the blessings and the practice of discernment, and it is football season. I'm sorry. I apologize for those who just don't care. But it seemed like such an apropos thing. A quarterback spends his week doing what? He's studying and he's preparing. He watches film. He watches film of his own team. He watches film of himself. He watches film of his opponent in all kinds of different situations. Why? So that when he sees him on the field, he knows what to expect. And when he sees the defensive players of the other team line up on the other side, he can recognize just by where they're standing and who is standing where. He knows what they think they're going to do. And what does he do then? He quickly decides how he's going to act and how he's going to make the play to compensate for the, how they're set up. It is, it is absolutely a discernment. It's a quick recognition and understanding from knowledge that he has gathered by studying and being faithful in his work And now he's using it, and he's got seconds to look, to figure out, to decide, and to act. He has seconds. And if he's done it effectively, if he's prepared effectively, and if he acts effectively, the result is a score. It's it's a win. Right? So, I say that to say that All of those things that we need to think about are involved here. There is study. There's preparation. There's focused time in the Word of God that we need to be doing. And that way, when we we come against the enemy, you know that in football, a big thing about coaching a defense and planning a defense is being deceptive. You want to make your formation look like something that it's not. You want to trick the other side into thinking you're going to do one thing and you're doing another. Guess what? We have an enemy that does exactly the same thing. That is his whole game plan. Make, make this evil thing look good. Maybe Ken will bite. 
maybe Kim will bite. Because I know I've watched Kim his whole life. And I know where his weaknesses are. I know the things that he likes. So if I can dress this evil up in something that looks something like something Ken likes, here's it. Here, Ken, take a little nibble of that. What do you think? I have to be ready for that. I have to expect it. He is a tempter and he's a liar. And we know that. So we watch, we're ready, and then we move past. Because we, because we can see the deceit when we know the truth. So how will you seek the blessings of discernment? Will you pursue victory by taking action? Wisdom and understanding without action don't really count for much. So what action will you take? Who will you share with? Who needs your help? How will you prepare yourself for these things? I'd like to take... Uh, just a moment to let the musicians come up and we're going to close with a little bit of a, a, a closing song. But before our time of response, I just want to conclude with a few, a few points to sort of summarize where we, where we came from. In this fallen and mixed up world, we know that we need discernment. We need discernment to see and to choose the right instead of the wrong, the good instead of the evil the better instead of the good. God's wisdom instead of man's wisdom. God's mission instead of our comfort. And the eternal instead of the temporary. And it's so easy to get mixed up on these things, but these are what we need discernment for. We, we need to practice and develop and grow in discernment and not remain spiritual babies. This means studying God's Word talking about truth with other believers and always praying for greater wisdom. We seek to grow. Now God wants to bless us with rich spiritual fruit as we seek His wisdom and apply it with discernment. Will you seek the excellent things of God and lead others to do the same?